0: Welcome back to the Dynasty Locker Room Podcast. This is episode 13. I'm your host, Nation, and we'll be rounding out our top 300 Dynasty baseball players for the upcoming season here, looking at uh, 1 to 50. With me today, I got Test Monster and Tyler again. Uh, Test Monster, what do you got going on? Well, we uh, were obviously done with the prospect talk,
1: uh, moving on to the top 300 players. If you haven't yet, check out the podcast and the articles surrounding the top 100 prospects, the top 15 prospects in each division. We also last week launched the hockey podcast for the hockey playoff push. Uh, Be sure to check that out. Uh, If there's any schedules you want to stay on top of, if there's any waiver wires you need to check out, or if you need any kind of strategy surrounding the
0: hockey playoff push, uh, that's your one-stop shop. So check us out at the Dynasty Locker Room. Yeah, really fun to be wrapping up. Um, some of those articles and those podcasts and launching those off so definitely go take a listen Uh, go argue with Test Monster's brain there on the fantasy hockey and how those schedules shake out um, for your fantasy hockey playoffs and Tyler what do you got going on
2: yeah not a whole lot on my front I I sort of mentioned last podcast I was wrapping up some of my off-season podcasts but uh With the season starting here on the 7th, uh, definitely going to be doing some free agent pickups. And guys you should be targeting that uh, might not be owned in your league and guys that might be climbing the rankings that you might be able to pull the trigger on a little bit quicker before uh, some people know of them. So not a whole lot on my front. Just happy uh, we've been able to finish up uh, our DLR uh, draft here. So excited about that.
0: Yeah, speaking of the DLR league and draft, that's wrapped up. Let's talk about our teams a little bit. How do you feel, Test Monster? Where are you at there? I
1: feel pretty good about my team. I was able to assemble a team that was pretty competitive in almost every category uh, without having to sacrifice any category, you know, too much. So I'm pretty happy about that. Uh, went pretty hitter-heavy in the beginning of the draft, which is kind of contrary to a lot of my draft strategies to date in a lot of our leagues, but was able to assemble a team of pretty good hitters, uh, was able to get some nice value for some steals and power. So I'm pretty happy about that and was able to shore it up with uh, a bullpen that's pretty deep, uh, eight relievers, nine starters. I'm pretty happy with that.
0: Tyler, what are you thinking about your team?
2: Yeah, you know, I was honestly feeling pretty good, uh, except I decided to take the gamble on Riley Green with how he was producing in the... Uh, spring training and the belief that he was going to get called up. And then I think about a day after I drafted him, he fouls a pitch off his foot and fractured it. So uh, that was a little bit of a, you know, a, a loss there. But overall, I feel like my team's pretty balanced. Uh, you know, the two catcher system is definitely a unique strategy that uh, you can't overlook, but took a little bit of a gamble on Varsho and a little bit of a rebound, hopefully, from McCann. So that'll be interesting.
0: Yeah, it reminds us of the uh, number one overall pick of Tatis that we had uh, about 45 minutes before he was ruled out with his uh, wrist surgery. So uh, (laughs) definitely not fun to have those injuries happen right after you draft a player. For me, I took a different approach than kind of everyone else in the league. And I decided to punt starting pitching. So I'm not going to win wins or Ks. But that did allow me to go really heavy on hitters and really heavy on uh, my bullpen. So I think I have a really good chance of locking up uh, most of the hitting categories every week. Um, I should be one of the top hitting teams in, in every category as long as uh, Mondes D stays healthy, at least for the first half of the year before uh, Tatis comes back for me. And then just being able to roll out um, a whole lot of relief pitchers to, to get the uh, ERA and whip and then be able to get holds and saves. So I think I'm in a pretty decent spot. Um, I haven't really ever done a just bullpen for pitching before. So I'll be curious to see how the ERA and WHIP uh, stack up over the course of a week when you have a pitcher or two that, that give up two or three runs or get a couple blown saves here and there and see how that all shakes out. But uh, i will be fun to kind of play around with as my first time trying to do this draft strategy. So um, that's it kind of on my side. Uh, Test Monster, why don't you go let us know one of the favorite picks that was happening in this draft that wasn't from uh, your own team.
1: Well, one of my favorite picks, I, I've got a couple here for you, and both of them happen to be in round 19. Uh, we see uh, Podunk Indians taking Brandon Belt. Uh, that's an interesting one for me. That could have huge value if Belt continues to produce at the level he's produced at in 2019 or 2020 and 2021, obviously, flirting with a 1,000 OPS uh, that could provide some huge value at the first base position. It was interesting to see him go that route after taking a couple first basemen, but ultimately with the number of utility roles that we have in our league, that could definitely pan out. Another one that I thought was interesting was for team This Is A Guy, uh, t- taking Mark Canna also in the 19th round. Could be a very high upside play with the, now that he's with the Mets. Uh, provides an interesting blend of, you know, home runs and steals, if he can get that average in OPS back to the numbers that he was showcasing when he went off in 2019, that could provide huge value, too. So those are some of the, the picks that I highlighted
0: that were a little bit later in the draft that I really liked. Yeah, those are some uh, definitely picks there in the middle to the late part of the draft that really have some upside that can pan out there. Tyler, what have you thinking about here when you were going through this draft and any picks stood out for you?
2: Yeah, you know, I hate to give Test Monster any credit, but uh, he was patient on his starters. I was a little bit more aggressive, and uh, we, uh, you know, there's obviously a little bit of concern with Luis Castillo. But when you watch someone with the ADP as high as his fall, you know, well into the you know 120, 130 range for an ADP, you know, to get him that late, Test. Test Monster was patient. And that one I think is really going to pan out. The wins might not be there on a team that's a little bit more rough, but between the ERA whip and case where you where he got him, I think there's a lot of value there. Uh, Tyler Stevenson in like the last four rounds, that was a, a catcher that I was hoping to try to, you know, sneak in there. And I thought that was a, a nice little still. We've sort of seen him break the surface here. And then the miners really tear it up. And I think that this is going to be his year especially with the universal DH, his ability to play first. I think we could see him maybe put up 140 games and, and really in a two-catcher system, really tear it up.
0: Yeah, uh, nobody really wants to give Test Monster any credit, but he did have another player that I liked that fell to him um, in round six being Tyler O'Neill, um, and being able to kind of round out his hitting categories, um, being able to uh, contribute um, across all the categories like Test Monster brought up that his team um, believes is stacked for, uh, that's one kind of in that sixth round that, that will really benefit him. Uh, Test monster, don't read into it too much. We don't like your team that much. <laughs> but uh, a couple of those players sliding to you there. Uh, really seem to get some, some pretty good value. So now let's move away a little bit from the DLR League and head to um, our top 300 list and see some of those first round players and where we rank and where we're different. And let's start right there. Uh, cumulatively, cumulatively, we have him just outside of the top fifty at fifty-one overall. That's me, Spencer Torkelson. I have him at thirty-eight. Uh, Test Monster, you have him at fifty-six. Tyler you have him at fifty-nine. Uh, guys, tell me what I'm missing here and why uh, Torkelson should be ranked um, almost three rounds different than a Julio Rodriguez or a Bobby Witt Jr.
1: I think for me, I mean, we've talked at depth about at length and in depth on the prospect podcasts, talking about Torkelson, Bobby Witt, Julio Rodriguez, Adley Rutschman, all of the top prospects. I think the biggest area here where I'm pumping the brakes a little bit is the fact that A. Torkelson doesn't contribute to all of the categories, which we see Julio Rodriguez do. And I think that that's definitely something I'm taking into account when we look at Julio, who's going to you know steal 20 bags in addition to the same power output. I think that's something that definitely affects my rankings. Um, also pumping the brakes a little bit just because you know I'm, I'm both of these guys a little bit in the sense that we haven't seen what they've done so far. But I think that's the biggest thing that holds Torque back for me in the sense that he's only played in the minor leagues for one year and he's not going to contribute to all six, five categories, however many you're playing.
2: Yeah, I'm, I'm sort of with test sponsor there that, you know, we we saw him breaking the minor leagues this last year and he struggled initially and then he got the call up to double A where he struggled a little bit more. Uh, and then he started to figure it out midway season and then he just caught a stride and I just am the belief that he's going to, you know, hit the major, you know, major league pitching and it's going to regress a little bit. I still do think he's a 30 plus home run kind of guy. It's just sort of like Test Monster was saying, he doesn't hit all the categories. I think we're going to see a little bit of regression on that batting average OPS and and overall power. But uh, I mean, it's, I, I think it's only a matter of time before he's easily going to be in our top 50 and top 40. But for right now, I
0: there's just some people in front of him that I like a little bit more. That's I'm looking at some of the people that uh, you have up there who are established, um, obviously get a little bit more of a, a boost, uh, having done it in the major leagues before, um, but being young and you look at some of the people like an Eli Jimenez or uh, even going up to like a Corey Seager, a Bregman, um, some of these people, Nick Castellanos, that don't really steal bases. You're not counting on them to do a whole bunch. And you've got one of the top prospects, one of the real young guys that has been able to uh, hit in college, been able to show what he can do towards the end of the year, double A last year, uh, starting again this year getting the call up immediately to the big leagues. Uh, I feel like there's something I'm missing in, in the value there on, on why uh, some of these younger prospects like Julio and Bobby Witt that are going to contribute um, to all your categories are ranked so much higher um, in difference to kind of the power output or just a complete power guys, like uh, even like a Matt Olson or um, uh, a Pete Alonzo in here where you're not going to be getting any steals, but, Um, You have them ranked kind of a little bit differently uh, as far as five categories, super high ceilings versus um, kind of that just mid-round power. Is there anything you want to kind of go off on that test monster?
1: Yeah, I mean, as I mentioned, I, I think we're seeing a, you know, the inability to contribute to steals, which discounts him a little bit. But I also think we're seeing a discount in the sense that he's only had one year. You know, you're talking about some of those guys that are ahead of him. These guys are guys that have produced. We're not talking about as many question marks about how quickly they can come up and adapt. I mean, ultimately Torkelson definitely has the upside to clearly outplay these guys over the entirety of his career. I think what we're looking at though is, you know, we've, we've got a couple question marks. Obviously Tyler mentioned that, you know, the batting average didn't quite catch up as he advanced. How quickly is that going to catch up when he breaks, you know, major league camp this year? So I think there's something to be said for that. And ultimately, the, the questions are there about what his true output is. I think we've touched at length about what that potential is, and you kind of highlighted on that here. Um, but he's just not at that true output level yet. And, you know, we, we've talked about it with Julio and, you know, Bobby Witt. We don't know what these guys are going to produce either. That being said, these guys haven't had, you know, the struggles of trying to hit for a two thirty-eight average in A. You know, we saw Bobby Witt come up and come up – blow that out of the water with a 300 average so I think there's just a couple question marks for me where you know I'm going to discount him a little bit in my rankings and I'm happy to be wrong about that and or adjust them accordingly as that goes on
0: any last words there Tyler
2: yeah I mean he sort of touched on everything I would touch on I think when you, uh, you you brought up Eloy Jimenez which I think is a great person to try to like compare him to, you know, a guy that could hit 30 plus home runs and hit around that 280 batting average. The only thing is, is Eloy across, you know, 230 plus games. He's been on pace for 30 home runs each season minus, you know, the shortened season in, in 2020, where he still put up 14, which was a good pace for 30 plus. And then he came back from injury this last year, we put up 10 across 55 games, which would have been good for 30 plus as well. And that OPS sort of match. So it's just, you know, it's Taking a little bit less gamble on someone like Eloy, who's 25 years old still, is still young, but has proven that he can hit big league pitching and do it at a, a high rate. It's just a little bit more of a lock. So I think that's the only reason for now he's in front of Spencer, but it could easily change if Spencer comes up and and does what we think he could do.
1: Yeah, I mean, ultimately, we're talking about the philosophical difference in rankings here of, okay, well, where do you rank a prospect versus, you know, and his ceiling versus where guys that have actually produced over the last couple of years, and what where do you compare them? So I think that's what we're debating here, and that's that's a valid debate. Ultimately, like I said, I think Torque uh, probably outproduces these guys over the next five, 10 years, but how quickly can he do that? I think that's the question. And that's probably why in a startup scenario, that's probably why I'm not taking him quite as highly as some of these other names.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I think really going into that philosophical part is where um, we're differing here. Uh, Cause I have and ranked pretty similar to Julio and Bobby Witt, and I see him comparable like Eli Jimenez um, on that side of it. So um, when I'm looking at him here in the, in your fourth, fifth round, um, he won't be there. If I'm in the draft, I think that's um, a little bit too late to get kind of somebody who could be a cornerstone um, at first base for you and be able to kind of get you those counting stats, uh, again, minus the steals, but just be a really solid contributor. Again, not having to run as much, so not having to be as worried about uh, any injuries that come along um, with being a big first baseman on there. So I think that takes away, um, a little bit more of the risk when you're looking at some of these um, Byron Buxtons or a Bobby Wade or a Julio and having that kind of um, athletic prowess to be stealing bases, to be running into walls, making diving plays, um, getting to take a little bit of that risk away to be um, in the corner infield is something that um, adds on to his draft stock uh, in the slightest for me as well. And now let's slide it over to one of the big off-season trades here and look at Matt Olson. We have him ranked 33 overall. When these rankings were made, they were done before the trade. Test Monster, is there anything uh, with this trade over to Atlanta that is going to move him up or down your rankings?
1: Yeah, this one might be one of the more interesting ones we talk about. Obviously we've got him at 33 in our combined rankings. All of us ranking him pretty close to that, but these rankings were made before that big move. So the question is, how do we feel about that now? I mean, we saw what he did in that Oakland offense last year, and, you know, it was an okay offense, but by all accounts, Atlanta is going to be significantly stronger offensively. I think, you know, on top of the home run output that we usually expect, we can definitely count on some counting stats going up here too. And we saw him, you know, eclipse the 100 mark uh, in both of those last year. So, you know, I'm, I'm looking at him now, and, you know, now that he's not in that Oakland decimated offense that we projected him in, you know, I, I think I can easily slide him up the rankings and, you know, I, I could find a home for him somewhere around that Freddie Freeman range and, you know, 25, 26, 27. Uh, what do you guys think about that?
2: Yeah, I, I think you're pretty much on pace there. I think, uh, especially with Akuna, once he comes back, I think that, you know, that RBI run production, he easily could you know, surpassed the 100 mark easily in both of them again. Uh, you know, there's, I think from what we saw from him last year, I still think if you're drafting him, you're just hoping he can repeat that. I don't think there is a, a much higher ceiling than what he actually hit. But I think 40 home runs, he can easily hit that. And I think that offense is going to allow for him to not have to do it all. So I think we could see uh, just a very consistent 100-100 season from him again.
0: Testmaster, are you saying that uh, you think he's going to build and exceed kind of his run and RBI totals from last year? No, but in in the
1: sense that, you know, w- when we compiled these rankings, you know, we, we were projecting him in an offense that no longer had a Matt Chapman and some of those other pieces that were there last year. And so to, to put him in an offense where he could easily replicate those numbers, if not, you know, flirt with a higher – Uh, potential. I think that's what really drives him up for me. So in the sense, I'm I'm not saying he's going to hit 50 home runs with, you know, 120 runs scored and 150 RBIs, but I certainly think that he could replicate that and maybe do a little bit more. Uh, I think that's a very real possibility. So in the sense that he's not going to have the projected Oakland output, I think that's a very good chance.
0: I think that's interesting. I think for me, I think I'm keeping him about the same spot. Um, I think last year um, would be kind of his ceiling of of what I was thinking as far as being able to um, hit left and right-hand pitching. And I don't really see any progress being made. It's obviously going to be nice for him to be in Atlanta. But in my initial rankings, I assumed he was going somewhere outside of Oakland, and it was going to be a pretty good offense that made a move for him with the rumors of um, the Dodgers or the Yankees. Uh, being involved in there. So for me, I think I, I keep him, uh, again, kind of in those low 30 rankings and being able to um, expect some counting stats, but maybe a little bit of regression um, in kind of the batting average and the in the OPS on that side of it. Um, Tyler, what do you think about that?
2: I, I think a big thing to factor in that, you know, Test, Test Monster might be correct with is he is going to a stadium that's going to be a little bit more favorable for him too. So you know, it wouldn't be surprising if, you know, we see him put up the most home runs he has in a year if he stays healthy. So uh, I think that could be a little bit of a factor too that, uh, you know, can't overlook.
0: Yeah, definitely really interesting to see us all originally ranking him uh, between 32 and 34. Um, now, I think we'd we'd probably see him um, post-trade with Test Monster moving up a little bit, Tyler moving him up a little bit. Um, we probably see him... Uh, 26 to 32 in that area. So probably moving him up just inside of our, our top 30 or right around 30 um, after this trade. So definitely excited to see kind of what he produces in Atlanta um, and if he can hit the ground running because sometimes you see some of these trades that happen and the players uh, are a little bit slow out of the gate. So if he can, if he can jump into the middle of that Atlanta offense, um, take the Freddie Freeman role and add a little bit of power in there, that should be pretty exciting for Matt Olson and any Matt Olson owners um, in this year and in the future. And now over to another one of the big offseason splashy moves, and that's going to be Trevor Story heading over to Boston. We have him ranked at 32 combined overall. Uh, I have him ranked at 24. Tyler has him up at 37 with Tess Munster in the middle. Um, I see somebody that's really exciting, uh, had a little bit of bad luck on some batted balls last year, not leaving the yard. you um, Even a quarter of those go out. He had probably another, I don't know, eight to 10 home runs. Um, I know in the first uh, month of the season, uh, me and Test were watching some games. And at one point, I think he had 12 balls or 13 balls that would have been out in 90% of the stadiums. Um, So if you add that on and go into a a better lineup here in Boston, um, I see the ceiling, and especially now being able to move over to second base um, and add that eligibility there for him. Uh, Tyler, you have not ranked the lowest. Uh, What's your holdup on him?
2: Yeah, I mean, big thing is is I I probably would rank him a little bit higher now, you know, post-trade, knowing that uh, his value is going to climb at that second base position from what he can do from a stolen base, uh, you know, standpoint, how much power production he can put out at that position on a position that is a little bit more scarce. Um, I think, you know, seeing that batting average, you know, regress a little bit and that power regress a little bit. I think it was a little bit of a, a scare factor for me when, you know, we uh were seeing him finally leave Colorado. What is, you know, what's that power production going to look like if it was already out, you know, a little bit declining this last year. So I think there is just some hesitation that uh and mind you, this was him playing that shortstop position. I just saw a lot of people that I wanted to rank a little bit above him. But, you know, post trade, if I had to re-rank him, i thought probably put him right around where Tessie is at 32, 33 spot. But I just had a little bit of concerns after this previous season.
1: This one was a tough one to rank for me. I I definitely understand Tyler's concerns here a little bit about the batting average, but you dig a little bit into the numbers and that Babbitt was quite a bit below his career mark, almost 50 points lower. So I think that's definitely a factor. We also saw that line drive rate at a career low rate uh, with quite a bit extra ground ball and fly ball results added in. So I think that that's got... A little bit to do with that. Um, on the whole, we're not seeing, you know, a, a totally different batted ball profile here. You know, we're looking at a guy that basically has the same barrel rate, same exit velocity that he's shown in previous years. So I, I'm willing to buy into to nation's narrative here a little bit, you know, uh, bad season, uh, bad batted ball results. I, I think that's a big factor Uh, Moving over to Boston, obviously, you're going to have stronger hitters around him. That should do some nice uh, things for his counting stats. Should see some nicer run scoring. Obviously, he only had 88 last year. I wouldn't be surprised if that's in the 100 range. Obviously, we expect that RBI total to be above the 75 he posted last year. So I think he's in for a nice rebound year. Uh, It'll be interesting going forward, seeing how much uh, footwork uh, stealing is in his game. Uh, obviously we only saw him swipe 20 uh, you know that that that's been about the the average for him over the last couple of years be interesting to see if that slows down as he progresses in his career but ultimately I think there's a nice rebound in store for him and uh, I, I think he's ranked about where he should be given the players around him
2: i will I will say one nice little thing about him playing at Fenway too is uh you know with his launch angle that uh that Green Monster is I don't think going to be a problem for him to clear. So uh, that had to be a little bit of a factor in their mind with his launch angle that hit him as a righty. I think that's going to bode well for the Red Sox.
0: Yeah, I was going to also mention that Green Monster kind of in left field there for him. Um, a lot of those balls that were warning track flyouts last year, um, a lot of those hard hit line drives that got to the warning track are now going to be nice little doubles. And uh, he does have hit a lot of those towering home run. So uh, you'll see a lot of those big flies being able to just creep out of the green monster there. And I know personally, um, I drafted him in our DLR league and I was ecstatic to get him um, in round four at pick 44. So I will be banking on a big rebound here from him and uh, excited to see him kind of wherever he gets placed in that lineup. I know right now um, they're talking about having him hit six. Um, if he goes and hits five two. Um, there's just a lot of a lot of potential in there to be able to to get those counting stats so um, and seeing him transition to second base um, we'll see if that takes any effect on him mentally as he um, tries to rebound this year but definitely a storyline uh, to keep uh, in mind as we move forward with trevor's story I see what you did there <laughs> now let's head over to one of the more I guess, Interesting or dynamic players in our rankings, and that's going to be Mookie Betts. You've heard um, me and Test Monster bring him up in our initial podcast that we're a little bit lower on him. Uh, as a group, we have him ranked at 29 overall. Uh, Tyler, you have him up at 24. Uh, Test Monster, I know we've been through this before, but we're here. Again, Mookie Betts is in our rankings. I was forced to pick him in our DLR league. Uh, tell us do. who there is here. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, <laughs> there, there's just so many things that come into play here. And we, we there might not be a player we've touched on more ad nauseum uh, with the number of red flags here. Obviously, the stolen base numbers are trending down. The batted ball numbers are trending down. The counting stats are trending down. So there's just enough here where I was very gun shy and I was uh, very happy that I didn't have the the – trouble of debating whether or not I needed to pick him here. I'm glad Nation took the ball there and ran with it. Um, just not a guy I'm really excited to have, uh, especially you know projecting it out over the next five years. He's just not the player he was in 2018. If you think that's the guy you're getting, uh, you're overdrafting him. Uh, if you're you know projecting him for the player he is, you're probably not going to get him. And so that's, that's why I have zero shares. That's probably why I'll never have any shares at his current market price. And so this is definitely not a guy I'm real excited about.
2: You know, I I know I'm not sharing the hate like you guys are. I actually have a little bit more love for Mookie. I mean, outside of this last season, he was pretty much a career 295 batting average. And yeah, you take out of the equation his, you know, 2018 season where he batted 346. I think, you know, we all sort of thought that that was a little bit unrealistic and not going to happen again. but you look at 2020, 2019 and even previous to that, you know, he was consistently a 295 hitter, consistently right around that 900 OPS, and even this year where he struggled, he still put up an 854 OPS, his exit velocity was pretty much his career average. His speed has declined, which is, you know, bound to happen, you know, I still expect 10 plus stolen bases out of him. So I just don't see that power regressing heavily enough. In 122 games, he was still on pace for 30 home runs, which is right around what he's been able to do previously. So outside of the average dropping in 2021 and the speed, he's still putting up really good numbers in a really good lineup. And I don't see any reason why someone like Eloy, who has only had one solid year, I I could rank in front of him. So I just, I give it to Mookie Betts. He's one in front of Eloy for me and, I think very comparable to Luis Roberts. So that's, uh, you know, I'll sort of bring it up to you, Test Monster. I know we've been talking about doing a shot bet because of how much we disagree, but uh, what do you think?
1: Yeah, I know this is one of the players we've debated at, at length, you and I. Uh, especially for where we've got these guys ranked, Mookie Betts and Luis Robert. Um, You know, I I understand your position that you think Luis Robert hasn't proven enough where you wouldn't take Mookie over him. And I I still think Luis Robert has more to show us. And in a fully healthy season, he'll outproduce him. So I I think this is one of our bigger shot bets and what's all involved in it. So I think we came to an agreement that this would be a monthly recurring shot bet in both points and roto formats, since I know you're more of a points guy. So monthly uh, points totals and monthly uh, five by five uh, category totals, and the loser takes a shot bet. Is that where we're at?
2: Yeah, it takes a shot bet each month, and I I am definitely on board with that. I think, uh, you know, from a point standpoint, I think think that uh, Mookie's going to have the edge, but... uh, from a Roto standpoint, I'm a little bit uh, of a noob. So it's going to be interesting to see if uh, we're just going 1v1 or if one of us is going to be wearing a lot of shots
1: here. So, yeah, no, I'm excited about that. Nation, you have any last thoughts before we put
0: this one on the board? No, I think this will be one of the interesting ones to, to track here as the season progresses, especially on a monthly reoccurring shot bet. Um, so I know I would like the side of, of Louis Robert um, as well. But I'll leave that up to you guys for this uh, monthly shot bet here, and go ahead and have the bartender put another shot bet on the board there.
2: I, I do want it on record, by the way. I still have Luis Robert in front of Mookie from an age standpoint, so uh, <laughs> I don't don't get that one mixed up. But uh, for this season, yeah, I'm taking this shot bet uh, to the bank. Yeah, it and sounds I, like I you would... like
1: Robert
0: better. And... <laughs> And I I will be cheering for uh, Tyler to win this shot bet uh, because that means Mookie Betts is putting up some pretty big numbers for me at that uh, 20th overall pick I had this year.
1: Yeah, a little catch 22 for you. Uh, You you don't like him, but you didn't want to bank on him uh, having the big season and you being doubly
0: wrong. I get it. Yeah, I really didn't want Tyler to be able to uh, draft him even later than I did and then also uh, be able to brag about being right. So this was kind of a... For the best for everyone that I draft in there. I get it. And now let's head back to one of those really exciting prospects that we were touching on a little bit earlier. And that's going to be Julio Rodriguez. We have him ranked 22 overall with all of us being around the same. Tyler, this is somebody that you wanted to touch on. So why don't you kick us off here and what's to like about him?
2: Yeah, I, uh, I mean, we watched him this spring training just absolutely mash put up a 424 batting average across 37 plate appearances, 3 home runs. Uh, even managed to uh, swipe 3 of 4 bags. I mean it it's it's it was a big question mark when spring training came he was gonna, he going to be able to hit some top caliber pitching and they put him out there in the starting lineup almost every spring training game and he he stood up to the challenge. He got the call up to the big so I'm excited to be able to see him actually uh in his opener against the Twins here. Uh, this uh, upcoming Thursday. So I'm pretty excited about that. But from a actual fantasy value, not just a uh, me oohing and awing about how good he is, this is someone that's going to hit all, you know, five categories if you're in a five by five, six categories if you're in a six by six, he does it all. He's going to most likely swipe 20 plus bags, has 20 to 30 plus home run potential. Uh, I, I see an easy 270, 280 batting average. He's got the hit tool to really match that. I just don't really see much going wrong for him going into the season. Uh, we watched Kelenic for the Mariners debut last year and had some struggles, but that you know, there was a lot of belief that he would struggle against you know, higher-level pitching. So I don't think Julio's going to have that problem, and I think the, you know, where we have him, his draft stock's only going to climb after this year. Tyler, would you say this is a guy? This is a guy. That's indeed <laughs> what I would say.
1: Yeah, I mean, there, there isn't much left to say about Julio that we haven't said already. Obviously, touching on him quite a bit in the Startup podcast, talking about him in the Top 10 podcast. Uh, Julio is a guy that I, I mentioned earlier in, co- in comparison to Torque. He's going to touch on all those categories, like Tyler mentioned. Uh, sky is the ceiling. You know, w- we were talking about some of these prospects, and Julio's ceiling is MVP, not perennial, you know, all-star. So I, I think there's a lot to be said about that. Uh, obviously him breaking camp with uh, the Mariners as the starting center fielder. I think that's very exciting. I know Nation's gonna be watching almost every broadcast just because he's one of his favorite players, just to see what he does. Um, Definitely a true five tool guy. Uh, Be really exciting if he can hit the ground running, uh, maybe make some noise, uh, not have some of those early season struggles and mid season struggles that we saw out of Jared Kalanick. So it would be a nice story if he can hit the ground running, Put up some numbers and, you know, we've been talking about the Mariners as one of these up and coming teams. If he can, you know, hit hit the ground running to say it again, uh, just it, it would really be a big boost for them as they try and run down this division this year.
0: You have it right. As I didn't think I could get any more excited about Julio going into this year. And then he just goes off in spring training and makes camp. And I get to watch him against our Minnesota Twins in the opener. You just really can't get much more uh, excited or hyped for what he's bringing to the table. Um, you know, I will probably have to be there on Friday and Saturday to, to see the Julio show. So, um, Test Monster Tyler, feel free to join me um, in there, uh, waving our banners and, and cheering for a little Julio Rodriguez. And now, uh, after talking about some Twins games here, let's go to a division rival in the Cleveland Indians, and let's talk about Shane Bieber. I know, Test Monster, you've had him near the top of your starting pitching rankings for Dynasty here. Uh, Let us, everyone, know why he should be one of the the first pitchers taken instead of, you know, that back end of SP1s.
1: Yeah, this, this was one that previously I had Shane Bieber ranked number one, and there was a lot to love here. Obviously, we've talked about, you know, him being an ERA and whip guy, uh, obviously, him being able to pitch deep into games is huge for value, especially since the Indians aren't going to be as involved uh, in some high-scoring shootouts uh, previous to what we've seen out of that lineup. Ultimately, I ended up flip-flopping him and Corbin Burns. I think Burns has the high upside for win totals and their other, you know, categories are going to be uh, about the same where I would flip-flop them, if only for a slightly different win total. Ultimately, there's a lot to love about Bieber here. You know, there was the injury concern last year, and we saw him come back. I, I, I think ultimately he's going to be one of the guys in the conversation at the end of the year for the Cy Young, uh, even, even if he can't post those win totals just because of how dominant he can be. You know, we're, we're looking at that high K rate, the, the ability to not dish out free passes uh, like we've seen some of the other guys on this list do. Uh, definitely still in the prime of his career, you know, mid to late 20s, obviously a lot of baseball in front of him. So definitely a guy that's high on my list and definitely not a guy I'm going to be shying away from drafting uh, earlier in the draft for sure.
2: Yep, I, I fully agree with you. I, You know, when I look at my pitcher rankings, I got to throw burn you know, just slightly in front of him. But, uh, you know, it'll it'll be interesting to see. You sort of brought up that injury. That was a little bit of concern of mine. And I know in our DLR draft, draft uh, I was able to double dip and get him on that second pick. And there's a little bit of concern about that. But when you look at what kind of K rates he puts up, the ERA and whip he can provide, I mean, there's just a lot to love from a starter standpoint. And, uh, you know, a Cleveland team that... Uh, sort of been, you know, pish posh together. I I wonder if he's going to be able to put up the wins uh, to really hit that last, you know, fourth category as a starter. So that is a little bit of a concern of mine. And uh, I think that's why I might have him a little bit below you guys. But overall, I mean, he does it all well. And I I think you said, you know, Cy Young candidate from the uh, AL. I mean, it's a perennial, you know, Cy Young candidate. And I think he's going to, you know, put those kind of numbers up again this year.
0: It'll be interesting to see what Cleveland does. Um, I know there were some rumors here about trying to lock up a Jose Ramirez long-term and seems counterintuitive to to think that they're going to go ahead and double their payroll this year to, to lock up um, Jose Ramirez. But um, you have to be encouraged a little bit at the future. If they're looking to lock him up and not trade him and rebuild, that they will go spend some money and, and put a little bit better lineup behind him in the future. So I guess that holds out a little bit more hope for those win totals. But again, as Tess Monster has touched on, Bieber um, in multiple podcasts, there's a lot to love here. Bounced uh, back nicely from the injury last year and a big future ahead of him. And over to a player that I'm surprised Tyler ranked so low. And that's going to be Mike Trout at number 12 overall, uh, falling down outside of the top 10 for all of us. Tyler, uh, why do you have him ranked so low? I expect him to be your number one player. You know, in my
2: heart he is my number one player and it kills me to say anybody is better than him from but from a fantasy standpoint you know it's you know he's turning 30 years old this year and we saw him deal with you know a major injury for the first time in his career so I think there is a little bit of concern as age starting to play a factor I mean he's he's a big old linebacker size body or or, you know is age going to play a factor that angels have talked about moving him off center field you know, trying to get, you know, Joe Adele or Brandon Marsh most likely out in that center field to try to ease him up. And he came out and, you know, voiced his opinion that he doesn't want to leave center field, which, you know, you you sign him to a contract like that, you you expect, you know, him to speak up. So I'm not surprised with that. But I think injuries is a big factor for me. Uh, He's slowing down a little bit too. So stolen bases are not, he's not Doing what he did previously, putting up 20-plus stone bases, I think expecting 10 to 15 from him now is more realistic. But when you go for him, you're getting run production, you're getting walks, hits, good batting average, good OPS. So in a 6 by 6 league especially, he's going to hit almost all the categories for you. So he's going to deserve this spot. But if, if injuries start to plague the end of his career here, it's, it's going to be a little bit traumatizing for me as an Angels fan. But it's going to cause some of these other outfielders on his tail to surpass him in our, our rankings.
1: Well, I want to take a little detour here, Tyler. We, we've heard Rob Manfred say he doesn't do enough for the game of baseball. What are your thoughts on that?
2: Oh, man, I, I want to throw some, uh, some curse words out here, but I'll, I'll keep quiet, you know, at the end of the day, they're just competing for a piece of metal, so Rob, Rob Manfred could suck it.
0: <laughs> I mean,
1: you, you touched on a lot of things here. Ultimately for me, I, I share the same concern and it's, it's a concern that we have over our own Byron Buxton. How many, how many games is he actually going to be healthy for? Because we've seen him absolutely be the best player on the planet when he's healthy. Uh, The question is, when can he play a full season again? We haven't seen that since 2016. So that's a factor for me. Uh, Definitely not the stolen base machine that we saw in his youth either. Uh, Definitely looking at probably single to maybe low tens totals there. So he's not the true, you know, five category asset that he was. But as I said, when he's healthy, he's absolutely one of the best players on the planet. We've seen him produce home run totals. Uh, you know, in the high 30s range, uh, definitely a counting machine, counting stat machine, and that OPS, I mean, he's, he's got the average, but you got to remember, he's, he's been one of the leaders in base on balls for the last 10 years as well. So that's a huge asset for me, uh, can definitely, you know, keep you in most of these categories just by himself. So there's a ton to love, uh, just shying away a little bit because of that injury
0: risk. It's tough. It's one of those high risk, high reward um, players. I think that's going to be here at the end of round one for people to uh, make that choice about. And with Shohei in the lineup with him now, uh, healthy Rendon, um, there's going to be a lot of room compared to previous years for even more counting stats, which if he keeps on his current pace, like we all expect him to when he's healthy, you could be seeing some numbers in the one thirties for RBIs and run totals on this side of it. So Uh, If he gets to that 140 game plateau, um, you're going to, everyone who didn't draft him in the first round is going to regret it. Um, But if he only plays 80 games, again, he'll still be able to uh, put up some nice counting stats for you um, in a short time, but uh, you might be regretting it at the end of your first round. So i will definitely be something to watch and be really excited about um, seeing him healthy to start the year.
2: Yeah. I I think one last big thing is, for me, watching the Angels day in and day out, if Rendon does not get that back going, expect Trout to be walked a ton. And uh, I think that could hurt him. So I think Rendon's success is going to be pivotal for Trout's success.
1: Well, oh, you heard it
0: here first. Put it on the board. And let's just stay with the Angels uh, and talk about Tyler's favorite players even more. And- That's going to be Shohei Ohtani here at six overall for us. Um, I think this is one of the wider ranges um, that you can have for a first round player, depending on your league settings. If he's a daily versus a weekly, or if he is a pitcher and a hitter versus you have to draft the pitcher version or the hitter version of him, Um, and that will widely change where you can have him ranked here. Uh, But Tyler, why don't you kick us off and, and talk about Shohei a little bit?
2: Yeah, it's actually funny you bring that up, Nation, because uh, in our daily six-by-six six roto for the DLR League, I decided, you know, even though we have him ranked around that six range, I decided to take him second overall, just like you were saying. You know, the fact that he can help me hit all six categories, being that he still's bases, puts up really good power, a decent average, and then to be able to slot him in from the pitcher roll and maybe get – 10 wins in a season, a good ERA, good K-rate, it was pretty much obvious that I could hit, you know, nine to 10 stats with one player. I mean, if if you're in that kind of league, this is someone that, you know, you could easily rank him much higher. If you're in a weekly league where you're only going to get them hitting or, you know, pitching, that's a whole different category. But if, you know, based, based off what we've seen in spring training and what Joe Manns came out and said, I expect, Ohtani this year to throw 150 innings, which is going to throw him in that 10 plus win range if he can stay healthy. And, and from a hitting standpoint, I don't think we see that slowing down one bit. I think we could see easily 35 to 40 plus home runs. He's got a healthy Trout and Rendon to sit around him in that lineup. So I think if Ohtani is healthy, we could potentially see even a better season from him than we saw, you know, in 2021. What do you think, Test Monster? He's definitely an exciting
1: player, and I was I was lucky enough to have him in one of my leagues last year that was also a daily league, and he definitely was a huge uh, attribute to that success on that team. Um, I, You know, as, as Nation touched on, you, you can have so many ranges for this player just based on, you know, your, your league settings. And if, if you're in that daily format where you only have to have one roster spot for him, I think that's a huge boon to his value, and I, I think – especially in Roto, you could see that rank, you know, anywhere around number one, uh, if, if you're so inclined. So I, I don't fault you for taking him at all in that DLR league. Um, a, a couple of questions I do have, and, you know, that that's probably why I keep him around that five, six ranges. A, how many starts is he going to get, and what are the quality of those going to be? Obviously, in the past, we've seen him not throw a ton of innings prior to last year, and it was, you know, hit or miss what that success rate was. So if he can hit that 150 inning mark and still have similar success, you know, toss that three ERA uh, with the high K rate, it's definitely something I'm going to be interested in. But what happens if that success on the mound isn't there? So that's a question I have. The other questions I have were, we saw him lead the league and caught stealing. Is that going to affect how frequently he tries to swipe bases moving forward? And also we saw him absolutely tear the cover off the ball last year. But pre- years previous to that, you know, we, we didn't see anything really close to that. You know, previous, previous to last year, we saw 250 games played and a similar home run total in twice as many games. So is that power real? It, was it a blip and he, you know, comes back down to earth a little bit and hits those 30 home runs? Uh, it definitely has an impact, you know, in my rankings as compared to somebody like a Juan Soto or Ronald Acuna guys that are a little bit higher in the rankings. So there, there's enough, I, I mean, I, I'm a true believer and I, I think he's a huge value, but we haven't seen it long term like we have with some of
0: these other players. And that's probably why I rank him accordingly. Yeah, completely understandable on both sides there. Um, I think I might even have taken him number one overall um, in the daily league for the DLR, um, just being able to hit 10 actual categories um, on a weekly basis. Uh, basically gives you a like, – even if you don't think he's going to be um, getting a lot of innings, if he gets to that 140 mark, uh, 130 with uh, mid-three ERA with some strikeouts and some wins, um, that's really just like getting a, an added like 11th round pick there for you as a starting pitcher to put it on a weekly basis and not take up a roster spot. So I think there's incredible value um, if he's one roster spot and in a daily league there. So I think um, I really like Tyler's pick of, of taking him there at two um, in this year as well. So it'll be really fun to, to watch that team in general uh, being uh, healthy and seeing how uh, teams are going to pitch Shohei and Trout back-to-back will be uh, really exciting for Angels fans. What do you think, Tyler? Yeah, I mean
2: you know, I don't know how many years I can say it, man. I think this is our year, but uh, finally going into 2022 healthy with the lineup, the rotation doesn't look great, but it doesn't look terrible. So it, it it's exciting. we got some young guys in Marsh and Adele coming up. So I think there's a lot of excitement and, you know, Trout used to be the face of the organization, but it's starting to shift a little bit to Otani with everything he can do. And you sort of touched on a test monster, you know, is he only going to get 22, 23 starts again, or is Madden going to live up to his word and try to get 26 to 28 starts? So I, I think it is interesting. Health is going to play a big, you know, factor in the Angels' success. So be exciting to see uh, with these last two guys we talked about if they can uh, live up to
0: it. Yeah, definitely ended there on some high-risk, high-reward players um, moving forward. But sometimes that's what it takes to hit Um, If you're looking to to play it safe in the early rounds uh, and then taking some of those high risk players um, in later rounds or vice versa. So it'll be fun to see how the DLR league shakes out, uh, especially in the first couple of weeks, and then be able to kind of dive into it a little bit deeper there uh, moving forward. But that's going to round out our uh, top of the draft players we wanted to touch on here. So let's move over into the conclusion and Test Monster, what do you got here uh, coming forward?
1: Yeah, I I think uh, there's a lot of podcast material coming up. Obviously, we'll be uh, touching on that weekly for the baseball end, but also look forward to another football podcast talking about some more rookies in depth with the NFL draft uh, shortly on the horizon. It's April already, so looking forward to that at the end of the month, but also digesting some of the trades and free agent moves uh, that have been made since the last podcast. So, Try and get on here with Jason pretty quickly and try and uh, summarize some of our thoughts there obviously a lot to go through so that's going to be pretty exciting obviously we talked about it at the top but fantasy hockey playoffs are in full swing in most leagues uh, I know one of our league's nation you know the playoffs are next week but nothing to sleep on there it's a big time of year uh, seating wise or battling through that first round. So, lots of content there, whether it be waiver wires or continued schedule analysis. So, looking forward to that. And obviously, the weekly baseball content on the website moving forward. So, a lot to digest on the Dynasty Locker Room. Come over to the forum, drop us a link. What are you most interested in? What do you have questions about? Uh, we're always willing to answer some questions there. Uh, find me everywhere Reddit, Twitter, DLR Test Monster. Uh, and that's what I got going on right now. What about
2: you, Tyler? Yeah, I'm excited for the season here to begin. I'm going to be looking at posting some uh, weekly free agent pickups that you should be targeting, maybe even some uh, prospects, uh, you know, like uh, O'Neill Cruz that didn't quite get the call up to start the season but could easily get called up uh, early on in the season. So look to uh, see, you know, prospects to be aiming for, some free agent pickups. You can see me on Reddit or or Twitter at FART0263, that's FART0263, but yeah, I'm very excited.
0: Yeah, a lot of really interesting content coming up, uh, definitely with all of these big time trades uh, affecting the value here in, in fantasy football. So uh, it'll be really fun to dive into that with everyone and finally be able to dive into regular season baseball um, and follow our uh, DLR league, as well as all of the ads and drops on the waiver wire um, and those prospect rankings uh, coming through at a monthly basis here. So a lot of fun content at the Dynasty locker room. And as always, you can find me, Nation DLR everywhere. And until next time.